Hey, this is Jeremy McCrory, and this is the Run for Jesus podcast, a ministry podcast that will help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before. The book of Proverbs chapter 4, and so as we do that, I've got a I've got a brief uh, video to show you that kind of gets us going in that way. Tonight's, tonight's sermon is a father's teaching. So take a look at this video just a second as it gives me enough time to get out of the way. But perhaps we don't even have to go to the national media to raise the question, how can I make sense? You may have your own chaos that you're trying to make sense out of. Well, I'm going to take a risk with you this morning. I'm going to take a risk of trying to make sense of what you see. Now, the reason why it's a risk is because, unfortunately, far too many Christians have more confidence in the media than they do in the Word of God. Far too many Christians have more confidence in politics than the power of Scripture. So I'm on risky territory because some will not buy what I'm getting ready to share. And I risk alienating you, a risk I'm willing to take. Others, it's risky because you'll buy it, you just won't like it. But the first goal is not to win friends and influence people. In the cultural sense, it is to give you God's perspective. Let's start with a premise, a key premise. The premise is cited for us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, which says, we do not look on the things that are seen. We look on the things that are unseen. So if you can see it, touch it, taste it, feel it, and hear it, it's not where you're supposed to start. Not because it's not real, it's just not the starting blocks. If you start with the reality of your five senses and miss the invisible, to make sense of the visible. See, when you start in the wrong place, don't be shocked if you wind up lost. Or to put it in a way that I regularly say it, if all you see is what you see, you do not see all there is to be seen. Paul says we don't start with what we see. It's real, it's there, we see it. But he says that's not where we start referring to Christians. He says we start with the unseen. 
Sorry for the choppiness of that, but he is he's a pretty sharp pastor. Uh, sometimes sometimes he can really get going. But uh, we're going to look at teaching. Proverbs chapter 4, a father's teaching. This is, this is an earnest plea to the study of true wisdom, drawing from true wisdom. This is God, this is Solomon and his son. And the conclusion of all of this is that true wisdom from God is the principal thing. It is that which recommends us to God, which beautifies the soul, which enables us to answer the ends of our creation, to live to some good purpose, which and makes our path brighter until we get to heaven at last. So, so there's a way that we're looking at it this evening. We're looking at instruction. We're looking at the leadership of God. We're looking at all of the things that are at our fingertips. And I love what he said. He said, we start with the unseen. What do you think he meant by starting with the unseen? Because the more you more you trust somebody, like let's say human relationships, the more you trust somebody, you begin to listen to what they're saying. You believe that they have your best interest at heart. They know about you, you know about them, and you've built that rapport, you've built that relationship, you've grown closer and stronger whenever we are spending more time in scripture. We're spending more time in prayer, we're spending more time listening to God. It's easier to look at the unseen as a valid way of life. Because we're not looking at all of these other stimuli. We're looking directly at that. So when I looked at Proverbs chapter 4, I saw an example of a father, Solomon. Of course, he's talking to his son. God's involved in this as well. But we see light and walking in the light. And we see all of this. But the first question that lent to me, and maybe this is something that, that leads us into this, is how many of us reject the instruction of our father, maybe authority figures, or godly men in our lives? How many of us reject what others are trying to tell us? And I, the longer I've lived, the more I've found that God can use other people to speak truth into my life. There are others that have been through what I've been through that are further down the road, more mature in their faith in that way, that I need to know that I don't have it all figured out. You know, there's, there's a time when you're growing up and you're trying to figure out what life's all about and you're moving from, a, you know, in this concrete to abstract and you're moving through all these thought patterns and things like that, but you're trying to be individualistic. And I think life teaches you kind of just to go out on your own. But we need the instruction of a loving father. We need to remember the things in life that we've been taught so that when we are having to make decisions on our own, we don't abandon the principles of Scripture. We're listening back to the words. How many of you can remember somebody's voice? Maybe they, they've told you something a long time ago. You know, whenever I go down to my grandmother's house in Ethel, where she used to live, I can walk in the house 
and I can remember her doing things, saying things. I can remember her voice. I can, I can remember those kind of things, and they stick with us. And it's the same way the wisdom that was spoken sticks with us. And so we're not to reject that wisdom. Let's read verses 1 through 4 of Proverbs chapter 4. It says here, it says, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. So there's wisdom from the father, right? Solomon's trying to pass this wisdom along, trying to help his son hear the wisdom that was brought before him and wants him to hold fast to it. In other words, don't forget, right? Remember what I'm trying to tell you and put it somewhere in your heart where you don't, don't forget it very easily. Because there are some things we catalog, don't we? we? We hear things or see things and we catalog those as worth remembering and those worth forgetting because it might not be of consequence. We do that, but he calls his son here to remember the commandments and live. And I believe there's a lesson for us as we see this too, that we are to remember scripture. We're to remember the word of God. We're to remember the, the, the time that we spend with God in that relationship, that closeness and live in that manner. So we see secondly, that believers are to seek after godly wisdom. How many of us look for godly wisdom? Not just look for answers, but look for godly wisdom. And to me, that's kind of different than just looking for answers. That means that you are deep diving into God's word every day, and he's leading you slowly to where he wants you to go. To me, that's a, a, a gradual growth in your life that builds over time. That means if you are wanting to dive deeper in God's word, it's going to take a little time, right? It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some, on our on our on our behalf, some sacrifice of our time, of, of things that we have to go through and contend with. Because God's Word sometimes is, is hard to deal with. All the things that happen to the people as they are disobedient. All the things that happen and, 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 and just the back and forth of everything, some, sometimes it's hard to digest and we have to read it slowly. But there's so much richness, right, in God's Word. There's so much that He has to teach us that we have to build upon that we are able to grow in that godly wisdom. It says here in verse 5, and, and, and I'm going to try to read it like they do, but acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Why do you think that exclamation point's there? It's because we need to pay attention, right? These are things that we need to do, that we need to be about. We need to pursue them with intentionality, meaning that we are doing everything we can to hold fast to these things. Acquire this. Understand this. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Again, that's talking about wisdom. And she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all your acquiring, get understanding. How, how many times do we put stuff together and then we come to the wrong conclusion? Because we don't study God's word. We can pick scripture like some of us can go like this. And I've seen people do this. They'll flip and they'll go. All right. That that's not all of what that means. 
You have to read before, you have to read after, you have to read the chapters before, the chapters after. You have to understand there's more going on than just what's on the surface if we're willing to look deep into that. Beginning of wisdom is that deep dive, acquiring that wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Hear my son and accept my sayings and the years of your life will be many. What do we think it's saying there? The more wisdom we bring into our lives, the more wisdom that we acquire, the more understanding, the more that we embrace this teaching of God, the longer we're going to live, right? The longer we're going to live in that sense because our lives will be that abundant, that well-lived, that difference maker in our lives. And it doesn't say that you're going to do everything right. It's saying as we pursue after this, God's going to have more of your heart, life, mind and soul, and it's going to be able to lead you more effectively. You ever try to tell a kid something they don't want to hear? They'll do everything but listen to you. And sometimes, for us, we do that too, right? We do everything we can not to listen or to mess up or to do the things that we feel like we know how to do, the comfortable things. And he's telling us here, you've got to lean into this. You've got to lean into what I'm trying to teach you, that I might lead you and you might have the years that are necessary to live out all I'm calling you to do. I love that, that thought of garland of grace. How many of us need and understand our need for that grace in our lives? Grace, I love the definition I heard years ago and it still sticks with me. Unmerited favor. In other words, we didn't do anything to deserve the love, the mercy, the forgiveness, the grace of an almighty God. It's because of his love for us that this was able to happen. So, so we see in this, the conclusion we draw in this is that the wisdom of God should impact our lives. In other words, God's word and our time with God should change every facet and form in our lives, right? Everything should be impacted by the wisdom we have learned. It says in verse 11 in this way, it says, I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. You know, when someone is out, and maybe they're swimming, or maybe they're out in the water, and they need help, Someone throws something to them, that life ring that goes around them, right? And they have that around them. They are now what? They have a measure of safety, right? They have that measure of protection. They're able to walk and go and get to where they need to go. The Word of God, the wisdom that lies within the Word of God, helps us walk the walk that God has called us to do. And so it also leads us to understand that we need to take care and don't go down the wrong pathway. In life, there's two pathways. Scripture tells us this. There's one that leads to what? To life and one that leads to what? And what about the one to destruction? It's wide, wide, right? Everybody's going that way. But narrow is the, the pathway, the gate. It's in whatever version, chapter you're reading out of. And if you ever... 
sometimes those are synonymous. Sometimes those are synonymous. If you are not aware, Craig is not 65 miles an hour. So I'm just telling you that. Only the road out, out yonder is 65, okay? So sometimes those two are the same. But you've got to be careful. It says here, to do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil man. Avoid it, do not pass by it, turn away from it and pass on for they cannot sleep unless they do evil and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. In other words, don't take that path with intentionality. Don't step in that direction. Don't allow for yourself to be drawn that way because it doesn't lead you to the, to the wisdom of God, it doesn't lead you in a good manner. It only causes you to stumble and carry those around you with you and continue to go down that path. There's nothing good that can come out of that. It says to turn away, to keep away, to make a choice. And in, and in the later books in the New Testament, it would say, don't compromise. Don't take, you know the right way, don't take the opposite way just because everybody's going that way. Don't take the wisdom of the world just because everybody says this is right, this is wrong. Follow the word of God. And I think that gets back to Dr. Evans where he said it's the unseen, pursuing after the things that God wants us to pursue after versus the things of this world. And that's where everybody gets kind of wrapped up in. They see the things in this world as good and pleasing. And just because they're available for us doesn't mean they're profitable for us, right? There's a lot of things that are available, but it doesn't mean we ought to partake in those things. So the path that we've been called to, we need to choose to hold fast with sober clarity as we run the race of faith in this world. To choose to hold fast. So that means that we have to be ready to choose the right way when it comes down to it. I love this background here. To me, it goes back to kind of a Robert Frost kind of deal. There was two pathways and I chose, you know, the right pathway and it meant all the difference. You know, there's, there's pathways in life, forks in the road where we have to choose. Are we going to follow the ways of the world and lean on our own understanding or are we going to follow God's way and His direction that leads to righteousness? And it tells us this. It shows us the difference in verse 18 versus the other ones that we just saw. You are here. Verse 18 says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it... Flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. So it tells us how to traverse the road ahead of us, doesn't it? It tells us what to look out for. If someone you're following down a trail tells you the things that you might encounter as you're going down a trail, you're going to look out for them, right? You're going to, if someone says there's a bunch of roots in the road, there's a bunch of rocks, there's a bunch of sand, there's, you know, there's all these kind of obstacles, you can't be lackadaisical. 
You can't just say, I'm just going to walk and whatever happens will happen. We can't just approach life in that way and say all these things that are going to come our way, we're just going to kind of do what we have to do. There's a way we need to live and a way that we need to speak and a way that we need to walk. And there's a way that we need to have this scripture and not let it get apart from us. And the only way I can say this is we have to pursue the Lord at all costs. And if we're willing to do away with some things in life, do away with everything else but God in your life. If you have to get rid of something. I tell you, the past two nights, I haven't turned on the television at all. And you know what? I, don't, I haven't missed it. You know, there's, there's times where you can pull back and you can realize what's most important. That's why it's so great when people go on retreats, right? Their phone doesn't work, right? <laughs> They don't have much communication. All they have is the Word of God and a notepad and a pencil or a pen and just time with God. There's a, there's a difference when they come back from those kind of things, right? This past weekend, we had an opportunity to go to a man's conference. And I'm telling you, the difference beforehand to the difference in encouragement after is remarkably different. When we, with intentionality, go to the Lord... We always walk away encouraged, directed, guided. His wisdom comes and, and just guides our path. It helps us and to remind us what we need to be about. Because sometimes we can get so down and out. And maybe some of you do that too. Life can be where it gets us so down and out. And we're running at a thousand miles an hour in all directions. And sometimes it's just that slowing down and God saying... But there's so many things I want to afford you if you just give me the time. We're so busy, but we're doing nothing for the Lord. And we have to slow down and say, God, all right, I'm going to sit with you and I want you to teach me. God, I want to take your word and I want it to fuel me. God, revive me, restore me, give me life again that I'm able to fight the battle that you've called me to fight. And so years ago, and I know that Miss Jackie's going to remember this. But years ago, this reminded me, it recalled VBS back to me years ago. Uh, and it wasn't so many years ago. I say it like, it, like it, you know, 20 years ago. No, but uh, Isaiah 30. Uh, it, it reminded me of Isaiah 30. Uh, but, but verse 27, before we go there, verse 27 says, Do not turn to the right nor the left. Turn your foot from evil. Now, we, we said Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Now, Miss Jackie can probably quote this from you, for you, but uh, it says, Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. And it says, Whenever you turn to the right or the left. Verse 27, to me, pulled, pulled it that way. It says, You know, we have a lot of decisions to make every day. We have a lot of choices to make every day more times throughout the day than we ever think about sometimes sometimes we think well the day-to-day -day choices we know how to do and get by but they're really small choices that lead us in the path of righteousness or lead us away from the path of righteousness i think that's how we get ourselves in trouble sometimes it's not a one choice kind of thing that leads us down the wrong path it's all of these small decisions that leads us away it's like how do you how do you stop coming to church you just don't show up one Sunday and don't come back? No. You stop coming to church. You miss one Sunday and then you're like, oh, well, well it's not going to hurt if I miss another Sunday. And 
well, I've already missed two. You know, let me just, and you start, and you get out of going, and then, but you're really choosing a pathway, and the devil's saying, you don't have to go. Before you know it, you're saying what? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't have to. You start making so many different things, and you're saying, before, I was so plugged in. I was involved in my Sunday school class. I was getting fed everywhere I turned. I was growing in my walk with the Lord. He was challenging me. I was serving. I was going out. I was close. And before we know it, we've slowly encountered that wrong direction. And so in our life, we have to remember verses like verse 27 in Proverbs. Don't turn to the right or left. Turn your foot from evil. I would almost add to the part, turn and run. Don't even stay there and think about it, right? Because if you've ever been one of those times where you've trying to make a really deep choice or a really difficult choice and you're saying, well, let's look at the pluses and minuses. No, if it's not of God, leave it, turn and run. Because that is not a place we need to be. Because the longer we're there, we use things like what reason. Well, I feel like this. Well, it's not about what we feel. It's about what God says. And so I begin to say to myself this week in looking at Proverbs 4 and watching, you know, of course, Tony Evans, which we saw. And in looking at these passages here, I began to look at what a lighthouse does. Now, a lighthouse... One purpose of it is to help ships not crash against the shoreline, right? That's one thing. What are some other ways a fully functioning lighthouse might help? What are some other ways you think a fully functioning lighthouse might help? Give you a light. A light? If you're lost at sea, you know, or part of the path, you have a guiding light to go through. Right. Okay. What's something else a fully functioning lighthouse does for you? Could be visible to further out, okay. Landmark. Say it one more time. A landmark. A landmark. A shelter. Yeah. It, it's a shelter. Yeah, if you've ever been in there, I don't know how comfortable it is, but but it still it still will get your attention. So I so I begin to see of a lighthouse and the light and all of those kind of things. There's probably more that it does that, that somebody else is sitting at home saying, Well, I know that it does this. Let's start with what we know. But the Bible can be a lighthouse. Here's where it can be a lighthouse. If the Bible is like the light of a lighthouse in the stormy seas of the sin in this world, then we begin to evaluate how bright our light might be, right? Because if we're drawing people to God, if we are keeping others and ourselves from crashing into the things that easily sink us, if we are... A lost ship on the wrong path. You know, all of these things. How, how bright is our light? And I begin to ask that question. Not only how bright is our light. But is it even shining? Or is it currently broken in need of restoration? Folks, there's a lot of broken people. Broken in our church. There's broken people. There's broken people that we know. There's people who have been beaten and tried by this world and the sin that they're in, and they are weighted down. They need the light of Christ that drives back the darkest of darkness and sin. They need that. So 
So a lot of times I think life beats us and weathers us too, right? And we need restoration. When something's restored back to its original purpose, then it's able to do what it was originally created for, right? I love to see those old cars, right? Those like old Bel Airs and those old cars that were restored, fully functioning parts, right? And they're restored and they ride out and they look so beautiful riding out. They have colors we don't have today, like that kind of aqua blue, two-tone colors and things like that. I mean, just, just pretty. I think that's what happens when we are restored to God. We're able to do something in this world that's so phenomenally different than we could in our estate beforehand. Our broken, our beaten and weathered estate. We're able to do something in a, in a manner different than that. So we begin to contemplate how wisdom impacted our life. So how has the wisdom of God impacted your life? How has it changed the way that you live? Think about that. How has it impacted and how has it changed the way you live? And then also, what happens when we hold fast to the wisdom of God? What are some examples from your walk with God that you can say that this was a time that I held fast to the wisdom of God? I'm going somewhere with this. Some of y'all start tracking along. You're like, Brother Jim, you've talked long enough. But I'm, I'm leading in a direction. So continue to keep this, keep this going and keep, keep, keep rolling with this because we're leading somewhere. So the, one of the final questions I really want us to look at before we finish and gather back together and pray. I'm going to ask you to group up in just a moment. And this is what I want you to group up and discuss. What are some anchor scriptures that have kept you on the right course or have kept you or, or helped you get back on course when you have drifted out to sea? What are some scriptures that you go back to that are tried and true? That's what I mean by anchor scriptures. They're tried and true. You can go back to and they help you every single time you can go back to and they feed your soul. There's scripture that gets us back on course or keeps us on the right course when we've gone out to sea. So what I want us to do is take five minutes, group up, take the sheet that's on the back of this and write down some of those scripture references. Because then we're going to get back together in five minutes and we're going to share them with one another. Because maybe our anchor scriptures can be helpful to one another. Maybe... Sure. You know, if you get in the argument with the devil over going to church and he's trying to win, if you don't go, there's a scripture in the Bible that tells you about that. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's quoted like this it says, Do not forsake yourselves from assembling together. So you must go to church and assemble yourselves together and be in church. That's right. All right, friends, group up together. Come up with a list of scriptures that are your anchor scriptures, and we will gather back in five minutes.
And guys can help me with it. It's 40 on the back of Yeah, you've been wanting to hear how it reached a point where you're like, but there's so much more time, and there's so many more scriptures. Uh, did you run out of scriptures, or did you run out of time? So there's always more to find, right? You can't run out of these anchor scriptures. So here's what we're going to look at. We're going to start over here. What scripture verses are your anchor verses that you remembered? <laughs> he got all yours. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So y'all, y'all are covered, or Jackie, you got more. All right, all right. Group over here, my group, where we were in, I was a part of. That is, uh, I'll read what I have, and then y'all tell me if I missed one. Okay. All right. Psalm twenty-three, the whole thing. Uh, Philippians four eleven. Jeremiah 29 11. We looked at John 15 5 and 8. What else? Oh, he's telling now that our God uh, is Psalms 46 10. Okay. All right, y'all. We're we're over here to you all on this side here. Okay. All right. All right. You got you got five minutes to choir. So so. We, we said Isaiah forty one ten also, Mr. Levard, and Isaiah and Psalms forty six one, Philippians four four through eight, Philippians four thirteen, Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine, and Romans eight twenty eight. Alright, so we have a number of verses that you've all been given. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and read them. Okay? So tuck that in your Bible, go home and read them, and allow for that to be something you come back to when you need it the most. Hey, I'm having a hard day. Hey, I need direction. I need you to lead me. I need some guidance. Here's some quick scriptures that you can go back to. I'm going to add 1 Peter 5.7. 1 Peter 5.17? 5, 5.7. 7. 7, okay. All right. One that we didn't call out that I really like is Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. But basically, 
these songs that I sang Sunday. It just says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you and I have called you by your name. You are mine. Those are all some good, good ones. All right. Let's pray. Remember Shana. Bothwick. Let's pray, y'all. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for Christian friends and family. God, I thank you for your word, which brings so much truth and guidance and direction to our life. God, it brings a warning about what we should be about and the road we should not take. Father God, I pray that these scriptures that we've shared with one another, even though we didn't have much time, God, might just get us to thinking in the right direction. There's more that we need to learn from your word. There's more direction, more guidance more ways that we should not go through those warnings and directions. But God, your word has truth, and it's rich, and it's there for us. So God, I pray that these scriptures remind us time and again, God, that you're still working in and through our lives for your good. God, I pray for our friends and family that are struggling this evening, God, for those that that might be struggling with their faith, whether they believe in you, or those that are dealing with life's hardest moments, God. I pray that you meet them in those times, God, and that you be everything they need and everything they can rely on, God. God, we ask you to forgive us where we have fallen short of your measure, God, and where you've lifted us back on your path. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Run for Jesus podcast with Jeremy McCrory. Tune in next time for more relevant sermons and ministry helps to help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before.